This is Bump, Baby and Beyond with Emma's Diary. Hi everybody, I'm Renee from Mummy Style and I'm your host for the brand new podcast series of Bump, Baby and Beyond with Emma's Diary. I am a mummy to two boys, Henry and Georgie, and I've recently had a little girl, Baby Posy. Throughout this series, I'll be talking to lots of amazing mummies from all walks of life and how they are navigating their way through parenting. You can expect to hear the good, the bad and the downright ugly when it comes to giving birth, the strain motherhood can put on friendships and the magical world of female empowerment. Because guess what? We're all in this together. If you have any questions or want to share your experiences with us, feel free to get in touch on the Emma's Diary Facebook page. We want to hear exactly what you think and we want to hear about your experiences. And if you would like any information about any of the topics we discuss, you'll find it at emmasdiary.co.uk. Now, it's with my pleasure I get to welcome my very first guest. Today I'm joined with the beautiful Viv from Viv Simone. And together, we're going to discuss the real world of labour and birth step by step and discuss how to prepare for a birth that really doesn't go to plan. I'm sure we can relate. Welcome, Viv. Hi. Are you okay? I'm good, thank you. Fabulous. Shall we just get stuck in? Let's do it. So, how was your birth? Definitely not what I had had expected. Um, I had all these ideas of having a lovely water birth in a standalone birth centre and it was going to be all relaxing and I was going to bring my daughter into the world in this beautiful way. And labour was just, it, it couldn't get started properly. Um, my contractions started about three days before I was actually due and at first they were um, tolerable. I was able to breathe through them and they got more intense as the days went on. And then the day I was actually due, in the early hours of the morning, I called the labour ward because I couldn't take any more. And they told me to stay at home and have a bath. And I just thought, you what? (laughs) (laughs) This is not my romantic vision, (laughs) bringing my baby into the world. Yeah, um, and they also said that they were short-staffed. So the standalone birth centre I wanted to go to, it wasn't going to be possible. It wasn't going to be possible. Um, so I ended up going in after a few hours when I couldn't take any more. And then because they were so short-staffed and all the rooms were taken up by women in labour, I then had to wait in the waiting room for two hours. Oh my goodness. And a midwife came up to me and she took one look at me and she said, you're not in labour. <laughs> and that was another moment. I was like, you what? <laughs> um, I wasn't happy about that. And then in the end, they sent me to triage to have an examination. And the first midwife, she was in training and she couldn't actually find my cervix. So I had another lady come up and her hand was huge and she had to go in. (laughs) I did not expect (laughs) you to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to keep it (laughs) real. So she went even like harder trying to examine me and then she said you're only one centimeter dilated the worst and, thing any yeah, mama labor can hear so i just cried because the pain of that and the pain of the contractions it was just too much so they ended up sending me home and um i was really fed up because you know this is only day one really of real contractions but i just felt like i want to be in the hospital i can't cope 
there's nothing I can do at home and I just want my baby to come really. So I ended up sleeping the Friday away and um, I tried to go on walks as much as I could. Yeah. And then the Saturday, I ended up going back in and the midwife said that I had high blood pressure and that I was still one centimetre dilated and um, that my daughter had actually turned back to back, which is why my contractions were so intense. Yeah. So I got sent home again, <laughs> much to my dismay. And then um, I was chilling at my partner's house and I called his auntie, who's a midwife, and said, what can I do? Because I was really fed up and I didn't know how to get my daughter to turn. So she suggested buying a gym ball and rolling on it. So my mum bought one of those for me. And then um, I just basically tried to get my daughter to turn the whole evening. And then my partner's midwife actually came to check up on me and see how I was. And she didn't let me know at the time, but she was actually concerned because between the contractions, I wasn't feeling my daughter moving. Yeah. And she ended up driving home, which was about a 40 minute journey and coming back just so she had her equipment and could um, like monitor me properly. So already it's been a very long process. Yeah, and I was... I was just overwhelmed, really, because the contractions were so painful and nothing seemed to be helping. Everyone was getting on my nerves. <laughs> um, the so, things they don't mention honestly. help people will absolutely ignore <laughs> you in the room. So and then my partner's auntie asked whether I wanted her to examine me internally. I thought, oh, God, I don't want you to see my bits. <laughs> before um, or even before labour at the beginning of my pregnancy, we discussed his auntie delivering our daughter yeah i just thought it's a bit intimate but by this point i didn't care i just thought just go ahead do what you've got to do as long as i don't have to go into hospital again and get sent home so she examined me and then she said that she actually felt my cervix go from three to four centimeters as she gave me a sweep at the same time and i lost my plug and my contractions were coming in thick and fast at this point so she suggested that we go to hospital so how did that feel then having the auntie there um I was a bit embarrassed at first but I've been with my partner for nearly 10 years and I've known her a long time so she did put me at ease yeah and uh, I was overjoyed if anything that she'd said okay you've you're now at three to four centimeters so I thought yes active labor <laughs> I've got to keep me in now <laughs> let's go to the hospital and I was feeling a pressure and I was scared at this point because she was like do you feel like you need to push I was like I don't know but something's happening my contractions were lasting about 90 seconds and I was so having fast. Yeah, and I was having about three or four of a minute. And because they say that's normally active labour, I thought, oh God, like I don't want to have it right here. So we were all in a rush. Let's go to the hospital. My partner's in the shower, <laughs> washing his hair. <laughs> Getting his priorities yeah. ready. <laughs> so everyone was shouting at him. And then um, we ended up going to the hospital. And the journey there, it was only 20 minutes. But when you're having contractions, it just feels like it's such a long time. And then again, people talking to you. And then um, I was just trying to keep breathing with hypnobirthing techniques. And then when we got to the hospital, his auntie pulled up right outside the entrance <laughs> door. It felt very dramatic. And then um, I was examined and they said, we, we still think you're at three, you're not at four. But because your contractions are so frequent, we're going to keep you in. And you mentioned before that you'd done the ball. Had you done that as well before you'd 
trying to turn the baby? Yeah, um, she found my stomach at home and she felt that my daughter turned, but I wasn't quite sure because my contractions were still really bad. Yeah. Um, but at the hospital, I was given another ball, so I was just rolling on that and, like, this huge mattress. And they offered me paracetamol, which I took, and that actually eased the pain a little bit. But me and my, my partner and I ended up falling asleep. And once we woke up, my contractions had stopped. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the midwife came back and she said, you can either go home or stay here another two hours and see if anything happens. And I was like, I'm staying here. <laughs> so, I'm not going to sleep ever again. <laughs> honestly, I was so annoyed with myself. But I was just exhausted. And my partner was like, come on, Viv, let's just go. Nothing's happening. I was like, no, she's coming and she's coming now. <laughs> um, so I ended up walking up and down the room for two hours, listening to some music just to see if anything would happen. And after two hours, still nothing. Contractions would probably every 20 minutes. So um, I was then offered to go to triage and have them look at me again or I could go home. But I didn't want too many examinations, so I just decided to go home. And then... So what's the time period now then? So from the, from the minute you had your, your first contraction, where are we up to now in terms of hours or days? So my first contraction was on Tuesday the 17th of July and this is now Saturday? No, this is now... Tuesday, the 24th of July. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went home. I was really exhausted. I had a shower and just went to sleep. And then that day, I didn't really get any contractions. So I was just watching TV. And then I thought, right, let me have an early night. As soon as I got into bed and turned the lamp off, my contractions started again. Yeah. And this time they were just agony. I couldn't even keep sitting on my bed. And um, I heard my dad say to my mum, I went to go and wake my mum up and say, Mum, can you take me to hospital? And my dad was like, again, she's been in every night this week. <laughs> <laughs> and that really annoyed me. Um, but I got ready and I packed the rest of my case and we went back to the hospital. And they were concerned at this point because this is now the fourth time that I've been in. So they said that they'd keep me in and see what they can do. Yep. So I was then sent to triage again and given some paracetamol. And that didn't, that didn't help at all. So they said that they'd take me to a ward and give me some pethidine. Yeah. So I was like, okay, brilliant. But I then needed to wait about three hours before going to this ward. And when I was on the ward, I, I was ecstatic because I just thought, finally, they're going to give me something to take this pain away. But it wasn't the case. I ended up lying on the bed, just seeing midwife after midwife walk past me because they had other people to attend to. And then when someone finally came it just took the pain away instantly. I was able to just sleep and that was that was it. And then... When you, um, at the beginning, you said how you envisioned birth would be. Yeah. As we all do. This is going to be this most magical moment and they lift the baby out and it's all natural and I've not had any pain relief. When you said you had the paracetamol and the yeah. pethidine, was that part of your plan or was that something that you just rolled with in the end? No, I just rolled with it. I really just wanted a water bath, gas in there if I needed it. Yeah. And I thought that would help because throughout my whole pregnancy, I was just reading all these stories yeah. and watching videos and they were so empowering. I thought I can do that. But in the end, I was just like, no, give me something. Um. 
the next morning, which was Wednesday, I woke up and I was fine. I didn't have any pain. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't have any contractions, but I had a constant pain on the left side of my stomach and I didn't know what it was. And I mentioned it to the midwife and I was like, something's wrong. Can I have an ultrasound? And she was like, we don't do them at this stage. Yeah. Um, so she just said, I can give you some paracetamol and codeine, which I was on pretty much all day. And I just slept while I could. Um, and then Wednesday night at half 11, I was given some paracetamol again and I threw it up immediately all over myself, which again, not glamorous. <laughs> um, so I, I went to take a shower and then when I came back, there was this lady who had come onto our ward and she was pregnant and I heard her saying that she was one centimetre dilated and her waters went, but they can't do anything for her. And then five minutes later, she's saying she needs to push. <laughs> this isn't the delivery <laughs> suite. This is an episode of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she was just having her baby. And I really felt like her contractions were making mine worse. So, um, so this lovely lady stealing your thunder <laughs> in the quickest labour ever. Honestly, <laughs> I was envious at the same time, but her contractions were making mine worse. And I was also feeling really sorry for the women who were also on our ward trying to sleep. You've got her giving birth and me moaning <laughs> in pain and they were trying to sleep. So I ended up pressing my buzzer and saying, you know, my contractions are a lot more frequent, they're a lot more intense and you need to do something. So they said, OK, we're going to take you up to the delivery suite now. Yeah. And that meant that I wasn't going to have this lovely water bath. <laughs> Um, so I called my partner and he came to the hospital and they wheeled me to the delivery suite and they broke my waters. How did you feel about you not having your plan, your, your water birth? Because I remember for me, I was induced so I could never have yeah. that water birth and I was absolutely devastated. I really was, I really was. And I didn't know which way it was going to end up. It's, I, I feel like... At the same time, you just want your baby to come. Yeah. But when it's not in the way that you imagined it, it is a bit... It it's is hard, isn't it? Yeah. Especially because you almost spend nine months imagining yeah. how it's going to be. And when it doesn't go to your birth plan, then it, it, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. It really is. It really is. Um, but I think I was just so fed up and I just thought, OK, if I can just have the gas in air and birth in a position where it's comfortable, then... yeah. You know, it's second best. I'll, I'll settle with that. Um, I thought it would hurt having my waters broken, but it didn't at all. That was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> oh, was it just a surprise? And finally, there was something. <laughs> That's it. It's almost like you know, you know when you're going to be examined, small hands or little hands, <laughs> that it's going to hurt. Yeah. But by that point, you're just like, just examine me. <laughs> yeah, you just, and you're just waiting to hear... Oh, you've you've actually dilated, um, but yeah, my waters went, and that just sounded like a pop. Yeah, and just a bit wet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just tried to again do hypnobirthing techniques, but the pain was just—it was incredible. Nothing was helping, so I asked for some gas in there, and I thought, oh, I'll be I'll be all right with that. I didn't like it at all. I felt like I was hallucinating. I said I was going to die. <laughs> the midwife Which was is like, not funny. <laughs> the midwife was like, what? 
Um, what and was your partner doing at this time? He kept hogging the hose of the gas and air, so I was getting annoyed at him. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, then when I was taking it, I'd already kind of missed when the wave begins of your contraction. Um, and then I thought, you know what, I need something more than this. So I opted for the epidural. Yeah. And my partner was like, V, don't do it. You've made me promise you didn't want it. Because the whole nine months, I was like, water breath, water breath, water breath. I do not want that epidural. Um, and I was really scared having it because I know that, you know, you can risk paralysis. <laughs> you can risk paralysis um, if, you, if you move. So I had to keep really still. And as soon as it kicked in, the pain just went instant there. Yeah. And it was such a relief. Like, I'd been in pain for nine days at this point. And I was just able to fall asleep. I kept yeah. slapping myself to try and stay awake. I was that tired. It's hard, isn't it? Because when we're almost conditioned to, to not have the epidural, to not have that pain relief, you know, listen to your body, which is amazing. People do have hypnobirth and they do follow that whole thing. Yeah. But there is such that stigma of the epidural there is, there that is. we almost don't entertain it when we should probably educate ourselves of what different things could do to help us so yeah. we can make almost educated yeah. um, choices. Yeah. When and not feel like a failure for yeah, choosing for sure. When I was having the gas and air, I was strapped to monitor for my daughter's heart rate and it yeah. kept dipping and the midwife kept telling me off. Um, she was really getting on my nerves, to be quite honest, and I felt so bad because she was lovely, but I just kept snapping at her. But every time I had a contraction, I moved with the pain, which meant the monitors moved, yeah. so she lost my daughter's heart rate trace. Um, but she was able to get that a lot easier when I was on the epidural because, of course, I was keeping still. Um I had the epidural at 6am and then I was just sleeping and then at 10am a bunch of doctors came in and they were concerned with my daughter's heart rate. They said that she's in distress and that I've now got half an hour to deliver her or they'll have to get involved. Yeah. Um, and how did you feel about that? I was scared at this point because I, I just didn't know why she was in distress. I didn't know whether it was something I'd done or... I, I just didn't know, and I, I feel like you are scared, especially when you've got six doctors in the room. Yeah. They're all talking amongst themselves, not really keeping you informed of what's going on. And it's just very overwhelming. Yeah, especially I, because, like you said, you, you envision your birth to be you, your partner, maybe that midwife going yeah. back and forth. Similar for me, when I had Henry, um, after, when he turned during the pushing, so then all doctors came in and said, you know, we need to take you straight down to theatre. And it was that overwhelming feeling of all these doctors and then taken into a room with all this machinery. And it is it's so far from your imagination of being in a bath, yeah. you know, the candles, the music. <laughs> it is really overwhelming, but it just goes back to that thing of being aware and being educated of yeah. what can happen. Yeah. So you don't have that overwhelming feeling you did with all the, the six doctors in the room. It's true. It really is. And I feel like at this point, I would have loved my partner's auntie to be there. Someone yeah. that I know who is, you know, she knows the job. So she was not there at this no, point? No. Um, I think she was on call. She's a community midwife. Okay. So she wasn't based in the hospital. But um, the midwife I did have, she was really lovely. She made me feel at ease. 
Um, I even said to her at one point, I was like, I don't want that male doctor <laughs> to look in my face. Because <laughs> I just felt embarrassed. I was lying there. I couldn't even close my legs. <laughs> they were walking past. I had to empty my bladder with a catheter. And as much as I was in pain, I just felt like, where's my dignity? Um, but after the half an hour of trying to push my daughter out, it just wasn't happening. And the male doctor who I didn't want to leave my baby then said, I'm going to be doing it. And he, he offered me three choices. He could either use a needle to draw some blood from my daughter's head while she was in my room yeah. um, and analyse it and see what's going on. They could deliver her um, with a Ventus cuff yeah. or forceps. I opted for forceps because I just thought Ventus could end in that anyway. So yeah. let's just get it over and done with. What I didn't realise, because they didn't tell me, was I needed to have an episiotomy. Oh, no. <laughs> and I hope by now that you wasn't so concerned about your dignity. <laughs> oh, no. That was completely out the window. <laughs> For our listeners who don't know what that is, I'm not even going to try and say it. Episiotomy? Okay, so... Um, an episiotomy is a medical procedure where they use some scissors to cut through your vagina and your vulva so they can open your vagina more to allow your baby to come out. Um, obviously, when this was going on, I couldn't feel anything. Thank yeah. God for the epidural at this point. But my partner was looking when they started oh. to do it <laughs> as he didn't realise what was going on. And they were like, Dad, look away. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm really glad that I couldn't feel that. And then with my neck contraction, um, I needed to push with the forceps on my daughter's head. And I could feel a little bit. It honestly felt to me, I could feel him pulling. Yeah. And it reminded me of having a tooth out. <laughs> 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 and it was really rocking. And I just thought, God, I hope she's okay because that force and how delicate her head is. I was a bit concerned at that point. But then her head was out. Yeah. And I felt like there was a change in the room. Um, like my partner was really happy. He was like, look, I can see your face. And um, again, there was another change because when her head was born, her umbilical, uh, her umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. And that was the reason why my cervix couldn't dilate because she couldn't move down. I see. It was also the reason I had that constant pain in my stomach and she couldn't turn from back to back. Um, we were concerned at that point because... The doctors, I believe they removed the cord when she had emerged fully, yeah. which was um, after a few minutes. But her breathing was then very... Oh, laboured, you're okay. Yeah. Her breathing was very laboured and they were concerned and I didn't get to have skin to skin straight away because they needed to put her on the resource table. And she was on there for 26 minutes trying to stabilise her breathing. And I was really concerned because they couldn't tell us what was going on. Yeah. I was looking to my partner for answers. Yeah. He couldn't tell me she's OK. And you must have been very tired from all yeah. the days and you just want to hold your baby. Yeah. And I was just, I feel like with birth preferences, you just have an idea in your head that you really want. Yeah. And I wanted skin to skin straight away. I managed to see my daughter when she was born and... I literally just glanced, I literally glimpsed at, I can't talk. It's okay, take a deep breath. I glimpsed at my daughter 
and then she was just taken away from me. And then once I managed to stabilise her breathing, they said that she needs to go to neonatal. Yeah. And because I had the epidural, I was just on this table. Um, I delivered the placenta. And again, to sound gruesome, <laughs> I felt like it just slipped out of me. Um, Which is very different from having a tooth out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very interesting experience, so I'll say that. Um, but yeah, my daughter was taken to neonatal and then I was stitched up by the doctor. I couldn't feel that. And then when the midwife was um, getting rid of my placenta, I asked to have a look at it. And that was one of the most, I feel like it was one of the most beautiful things that I've seen. Um, just to know that that's where my daughter lived for nine months. Yeah. She explained the part that was attached to me and... It was just, I was in awe. I really That's was amazing. really in awe. I had mine encapsulated oh um, with, with Henry with my first and that was amazing and just taking it daily just to, to help your hormone balance. Did it have? Well, I don't know because I've not, never had not had it. Oh, okay. But I felt it did wow. for sure. Wow. But it is a beautiful thing. It really is. It's so interesting. And it's things that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah. Like if I hadn't have asked to see it, then it would have just been gone. Um, so at this point, you're you're looking fondly at your placenta. <laughs> your partner doesn't know what's going on. But bless your little baby is a neonatal. Yeah. So my partner went downstairs with her and he was sending me pictures and just giving me all the information, um, how much she weighed, how long she was how she was doing and my heart really aches because this was the first time I'd been away from her in 10 months yeah and again not how I imagined it um I had some toast which was one of the best meals that I've had in my life <laughs> I was so grateful for it and a lovely cup of tea isn't it taste like the best meal Honestly. ever <laughs> in fact if you do one thing in your birth plan if everything else goes wrong you make sure you get that cup of tea and that toast it tastes like heaven it really did and then um I was wheeled to the shower room by a lovely girl and they nearly fell over because of the epidural I still had no feeling in my legs but I was adamant that I was going to show myself. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I got dressed and I was wheeled down to neonatal. And my partner had to go to a business meeting at this point. Um, so I, I was left with our daughter and I was really scared because um, I looked at her and she was just in this plastic box with all tubes attached. And she just looked really tiny. Yeah. And even though I've had babies in the past, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but the midwife let me know that she was okay. And then the moment I held my daughter, it was just, it was incredible. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> um, and then she had to stay near natal overnight. So I had the night away from her. Um, I did manage to stay downstairs with her for a few hours until about 6am. And then I went to sleep. But when she was in neonatal, my partner's auntie who came to visit asked if I wanted some help breastfeeding. Yeah. Because obviously, because I didn't get skin to skin. Get skin to skin. I couldn't breastfeed. And then we then discovered that she had a tongue tie, so she couldn't latch on. And I just thought, of all the things to now happen, this is another thing gone wrong. So I had to learn how to express some milk for her. 
And um, I spent a few days in hospital doing that. Did you, did you, um, because you hadn't gone to plan and obviously your baby's in neonatal, did you feel like you had a bond when you did pick her up that first time? I did and I was worried that I wouldn't. Um, but I feel like the, the love and just the bond, like she knew who I was. Yeah. Um, she, she got comfort from my voice on me picking her up. That first night she wouldn't even, oh, sorry, the second night, she wouldn't stay in her cot. She actually slept on my chest. And... So that's all that matters at yeah, the end of the day, that you had that lovely bond with her straight away, even <laughs> though everything completely didn't go to plan. So for any other listeners out there that are either pregnant now or maybe they're, they're expecting their second and third, any advice in terms of this whole thing about the birth plan? I'd say have your birth plan in mind, but also be very open to... A change of circumstances and pain relief and just to kind of embrace any changes that occur because at the end of the day you're going to have your beautiful baby yeah the hospital staff around you your midwives doctors they're going to do everything they can to ensure that your baby arrives safely and just embrace the experience because it's you may have many children but it's the only experience you're gonna have yeah um, I completely second that, especially <laughs> as someone who ended up with an emergency C-section. And un- un- unlucky for me, I guess, is I didn't have that instant bond at first because I, I guess I felt like I never gave birth because yeah. it wasn't in my birth plan. Yeah. Where if, I, if I'd been clued up at the beginning and thought to myself, if this goes this way, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, I'm still a mum. That's yeah. still my baby. Yeah. I, you know, it doesn't matter what journey yeah. we, we did to get there. And it's hard either way. Yeah. It's very hard. And then there's the recovery as well. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> thank you very much for sharing your story. And I'm sorry it, it, you went through all those days before <laughs> anything happened. Um, so before we go, I think our listeners would definitely want to hear, how is your beautiful baby now? She is just, she's just amazing. She's 14 months now and she keeps me on my toes. She's always running around. She's into everything. She's got so much personality I can't imagine life without her now that she's here. Oh, amazing. And I'd do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Here to hear first. Do it again. Thank you very much. Well, that was absolutely lovely speaking to you, Viv. And that's Viv from Viv Simone. Thank you for listening. And we can't wait to hear from you again soon. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this week's chat just as much as I did. I absolutely love hearing about other amazing mummies' experiences. Don't forget to join us next week where I'll be speaking to yet another amazing guest. Bump Baby and Beyond is hosted by me, Renee, from Mummy Style and produced by the amazing Bang Boom Creative.